and welcome to another very exciting Civilizations in Review. Uh, I'm here with Dr. Bex Rogers to chat about this fascinating Zengid dynasty, along with Coretta Lemaitre, a content writer extraordinaire, to uh, chat through us today about this really cool period of Turkish history. As a reminder, you're listening to us live here on Facebook, but I will cross post this to our Instagram, our social media pages, our website, our Spotify, and our YouTube. So you can engage with this conversation in many places. And of course, read along. There's so many great pieces here that we will not get to today as we dive into the Zengid part of Turkish history. I will uh, throw it to Bex to um, talk about why she's interested in this empire. And then we'll have Coretta read the initial intro, but thanks all for being here. And Bex, uh, let's just start a little bit out of order, but I'm just always so curious on uh, why did you choose the Zengids of all of the empires out there? Sure. Um, honestly, the main reason is that I met someone recently whose area of expertise is Turkey, um, and they spoke a lot about uh, the history of Syria and Iraq and how that relates to Turkey and um, ancient civilization empires. And so when we were discussing which one to do, and I saw that there was one that was going to be kind of in that in that little area of expertise. I was like, well, I have no expertise in that area, and I would like to learn. So you. I'll learn. <laughs> well, then let's learn together. Uh, Coretta, do you mind reading the uh, 101 word introduction so we can start off the Zengids? Yes, I will do that. I also have no expertise in this, so this will be an awesome experience to have all three of us learn at the same time as my dog drops treats in the background. Um, so the Zengid, also commonly spelled Zengid, um, so either with an A or an E, dynasty ruled on behalf of the, oh my goodness, phone, uh, ruled on behalf of the Seljuk, is that how you say that? Seljuk, yeah. Seljuk Empire uh, from 1127 to 1250 AD. Uh, Muslim and Oguz, wow, there's a lot of words, names in this one. You gotta help me with this one, Bex. Uh, ben is our pronunciation extraordinaire. <laughs> I already told him, I was like, you're gonna need to correct my pronunciation on this. I'm no expert, I'm pretty sure it's the Oghuz Turkish. Oghuz? Uh, Oghuz, I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna try to read through the rest of this without stopping, but you know. <laughs> So Muslim and Oghuz, Turkic in origin, the Zangid spanned areas of the Levant and the upper Mesopotamia throughout what is now Syria and Iraq. Not only did the Zangid dynasty sponsor some of the most revered metalworking and painting schools in Mosul, but they're also known for their fierce fighting against Mongols. Driven by the Seljuks Empire's expansionist tendencies and a need for geopolitical recognition, the Zengid put great emphasis on becoming an impenetrable force driven by culture and militaristic power. Fascinating. Like history, just, just a little. Hey, it's a good <laughs> intro. Um, so you've already told us why you're interested because you wanted to expand your Turkish knowledge, but I guess then my next question to start us off from this great intro, um, What's, what's a fact about the Zengids that really uh, excited you in your research on them? Honestly, the artistic pieces. Um, I knew that there would be some. I just wasn't expecting it to be such a prominent feature of their dynasty empire lasting civilization, um, even just looking at the currency um, and seeing the coins that still exist with the Zengid empire um, embossed uh, names and uh, destinations is wild to me. Um, and so seeing that they were so prominent, not only as these 
fierce, fierce fighters, but also as fierce artists, I thought was really great. So, yeah. What was so fierce about their fighting? Uh, so one, they were one of the biggest walls of defense against the crusade during the first crusades. Um, and again, back way back when, when I was like an art history major in way, way long ago, uh, I remember the crusades, the first crusades, especially being depicted so often. And so as soon as I read first crusades, it had that little like, oh, okay, we're making a connection. We're like opening the brain files of stuff that I haven't thought about for 10 years. Um, and so as I started reading, I'm thinking, okay, they're fighting against the crusaders, the, um, like that's their main enemy. And then it turns out that really who they, I think, learned to fight so fiercely from were the Mongols. Um, so they kind of split off and had two main, two main rivals that they were fighting against. So the crusaders and the Mongols. Uh, and so that was an interesting distinction, especially name-wise um and trying to sort okay who's mongolian in this and who is part of the crusades um so yeah they had some big rivals <laughs> yeah seriously wow um it's fascinating too that they're like a, a connection to the seljuk uh, empire also on alfuze yeah. linked all throughout i was curious if you like other than that they ruled on behalf of them or a vassal of the seljuks if there's any other deeper connections maybe in the militaristic sense or in any other way um, with that empire? Yeah, so I think part of the big influence comes in with the Silk Road. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of the Zangid dynasties, like traditional practices, um, military decisions obviously came down from the Seljuk Empire. Um, but the Seljuks themselves had two different offshoots, uh, one in Central Asia and one in Anatolia. And the one in Central Asia is actually the only one that reached empire status. And when you're talking about the great Seljuk empire, it's actually only the one in Central Asia. Um, and the Seljuk empire in and of itself in Central Asia was extremely diverse. Uh, so it took a lot of things seriously, trading, academia, art, um, religion. And so I think that's where a lot of the diversity of Zengid came from. Um, even though the Seljuk Empire lost most of its power and territory to the Mongols um, after being a target for the Crusaders. Um, so it's almost like Zangid's like a little mini Seljuk Empire. A uh, lot, of, lot of parallels between the two. Fascinating, thanks for, thanks for sharing. Yeah, I think it's really cool the sort of period of history that we're here at, you know, early mm -hmm. 1100, 1200s time, um, you know, common medieval area, crusades obviously being a big part of that. Um, and so to see them like working together with the Seljuks is interesting because quite a lot of empires that like share the same geography are generally against one another. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems interesting that maybe the Zangids were like, uh, you know, uh, a province. I know they were their own empire, but in a way yeah. of the larger Seljuk is an interesting like, political structure uh, of how they are organized and, and, and put together in this way. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting to note that the Seljuk Empire had a lot of these kind of proxy governments that became dynasties. So I don't know if their intent when the first Zengid ruler was serving, I guess, technically as a regent for the Seljuk Empire, if it was intended that it would turn into a dynasty, 
uh, but then it did. And so the two sons of the first Zengid, um, Imad Eda Zengi, his two sons ended up splitting the dynasty into what were the Syrian and Iraqi factions. Um, and so I also thought that it was interesting, the connection to, yes, Turkish history um, with so much of the Seljuk Empire being that Ohuz, um, having that Turkish origin, but the actual geography is mostly Syria and Iraq or what is now Syria and Iraq, so. I'm really curious if you found, because this is a really fascinating political structure like Ben was saying, if you found that there was conflict between those two, the split between the Iraq side and the Syrian side? You know, so I will say one, the Zengids are an elusive bunch. Um, they ruled for a while, but in in uh, perspective of that time period, and when we're talking about things like the Ottoman Empire and the Seljuk Empire, they didn't rule for that long. Um, and so it seems that the two sons, really once they divided it, were not really working against each other. Also one of the sons, I think this was Nur, uh, yeah, Nur al-Din, um, was all about expansion, but not really against the brother, um, but further expansion in his own in his own realm. Um, so I think when we're talking about economics and things that helps promote the economy of the Zengid, that one brother, Nur al-Din Mahmud, annexed Damascus, uh, conquered Egypt, and then helped uh, General Saladin, who usually is, it's usually written Saladin because everything gets Latinized, um, but supported that general's leadership and that general ended up establishing the Ayyubid Empire. So, or dynasty, sorry, in Egypt. So again, it's kind of like they're very, there's like an elusive little bunch that also happens to be connected to the Seljuk Empire, the Ayyubid dynasty, the Crusades, the Mongols, like they really are kind of at an intersection of so many different things. It's cool that you were able to find those connections and really, it can be challenging. I know with some of these civilizations, sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. Um, it's it can be challenging to find, <laughs> um, but with these uh, civilizations, just that Alphusaic, you know, there's been a lot of smaller ones and, and larger ones, it can be really challenging to find data on that or just stories in general. So it's really fascinating that you were able to kind of create a picture of how it was connecting to these other civilizations, despite the fact that they're as you're calling them an elusive little bunch. <laughs> you're still so Even research-wise at first, because I typed in just off the top of my head, I'm thinking I was like Zengid, okay, Z-E-N-G-I-D, and not finding much. And then I'm reading this like intro to some peer-reviewed article. And it's like also mostly referred to as Zangid. And I was like, oh my God. And so then I typed in Zangid and it was like, okay, we're here now. We got it. Okay. <laughs> right. We love that. That is how research. Now, now we got it. And so that's what was like the first thing I put in. I was like, okay, Zangid, sometimes Zangid, but Zangid, not Zangid. <laughs> I'm glad you realized that. It's uh, helpful for your research. <laughs> yep. So, so yeah fascinating that one letter made such a difference because um, when I initially made the list I had with an A because that's 
a list I found was Z-A-N-G-I-D, but it's clearly Z-E, but it's also Z-A. It's, it, it's fascinating, the Anglicization, that's a word, of all of these empires um, is, is really interesting in that it was that crucial of a difference in just typing for information about it. Wild. Yep. Well, especially like Salah al-Din becoming Saladin, yeah. uh, even that, the amount of research that comes up when you change it is, and of course the the Latinized version is the one that brings up all the research. So mm. uh, instead of the, <laughs> instead of the actual name, so. Well, yeah. Let's jump into some of this metal work and art. I know you mentioned that, that was your favorite yeah. part when you looked into it, but tell us more about uh, what you enjoyed about it and you know all the other great pieces that brought you to yeah. it. So art was a very big deal for them. Um, I think probably the most enduring, uh, the Great Mosque in Aleppo uh, was actually started by the Zangid dynasty. It ended up being completed by the Ibid. Uh, dynasty, which is the one that Saladin uh, ended up starting um, and absorbing kind of what was remaining of the Zenga dynasty under his rule. Um, but the minaret that was built by the Zenga dynasty, which was, I think, the tallest minaret in the mosque and was the first thing that was built. It was the, yeah, it was the first thing that was built because it was the oldest part of the mosque and it was the last part that was completely intact before the entire mosque got destroyed um, during the Syrian civil war in 2013. So, and ongoing, but I think, again, that's, that was probably the most uh, hard hitting fact, shall we say, especially because I feel like when you're reading about all of this, it seems very long ago, very far away, very ancient empire, ancient civilization. And then to realize that something made it all the way to essentially now and then war destroying it um something that survived that long um so yeah especially knowing how important it was to them so a lot of the work that they did they sponsored two huge art schools um in uh, iraq um, a painting school and a metalworking school and they combined the two quite a bit. And they also did a lot of inlay work. So a lot of inlaid metals, a lot of inlaid ceramics, a lot of um, mosaic style painting um, and which mosaic, mosaic, um, but doing a lot of inlaid pieces um, and not a lot of it is surviving. Um, or a lot of it was then reabsorbed under different empires and now for all we know some of it is Zangid it's just been the nomenclature is different now so yeah that's so interesting do you mind if I dig a little bit further into this metalwork then all right I was so excited when you listed that because learning about the art the artistry and the investment especially in artistry and different mm -hmm. civilizations is really fascinating to see um you know did it play a huge part in the culture um, and in the economics, which is what I'm curious about. Um, was metalworking and, and art, did that play a significant role in the economics of the civilization? So I will say the stuff that I found about um, actual like tangible data on the economics and wealth of the dynasty was slim, but from what I understand, 
a big piece of it was the human capital that came out of these schools. So a lot of pride in educating upcoming artists and educating architects, because um, there was a lot of architectural as well as more traditional like painting ceramic work that was done. Um, and then they would go on to work or build something um, either being commissioned or um, something within the perimeter of the dynasty's rule. Um, so, so from my understanding, it played a role not only in terms of reputation of being able to say like, you know, we sponsor and fund these two magnificent schools, but then also being able to send those graduated students out to be artists and then also to retain them as art instructors. Um, so that obviously paid off since their art lasted really unfathomably long. Right. What, what exists that we've built recently that's going to last? Yeah, I, I was just thinking through that. <laughs> so that's a fun thought. I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of condos going up on my street. <laughs> a thousand years from now. <laughs> they'll still be standing yeah um, yeah. um interesting too that the zangids are in the middle of the crusaders from europe and the mongols from eastern asia and fended them off somewhat it, it sounds like um yeah. know how i mean obviously they ended because the two sons bifurcated which then made it easier for the ayubids to grow that makes sense to me but in the middle of zangid's rule to really fight off both halves of their area landmass is really impressive do you have more like info on that it is um so what i think is particularly fascinating is the mongols had uh, obviously an enormous reputation for um being very effective uh, conquerors and the zanga dynasty in multiple cities held off attacks from the Mongols for years. So it wasn't just that the Mongols come in, swoop in and take their territory, um, especially uh, in what's now Iraq. The Mongols attacked, I think three times before they were able to actually overtake pieces of different cities. Um, so again, interesting to note that it wasn't just they came in and they, especially for being fairly small, the Zengids weren't, I mean, it wasn't, a huge empire. I mean, especially if we're talking about during the time the Ottoman Empire comes and I even the Ayyubid dynasty, I believe was larger uh, in terms of like actual geographic space. Um, and so they were able to hold off against the Mongols and were really well known as defenders against the Crusaders. Like they were one of the best lines of defense in the region against the Crusaders. Um, so eventually they did fall and so i'm sure you know like you said that's kind of the beginning and the end of all of it but it took a long time for them to i think from what 11 1194 1194 to 1250 1260 like it took that amount of time for them to be completely conquered or reabsorbed or so it wasn't like they just came in and were decimated um so some success 
yeah, that's a really robust structure. I don't know if it's a military structure that they had or whatever their mm -hmm. um, mechanism of- And you know what? Those dates I'm giving, 90 to 50, 60, that actually might have been remnants of the Seljuk Empire. So including Zengid, but Seljuk in general, um, losing territory over that period of time. Um, so, yeah. I know you also uh, mention in your beautiful summaries of the different aspects of the empire that the two Iraqi, um, not the two Iraqi lines, the two lines, the Iraqi and the Syrian would eventually reunite. Um, yep. In, so, so if we're looking at, yeah, so the Syrian and the Iraqi lines reunite and then, to my understanding, become absorbed under Saladin. So you've got the Syrian territory, the Iraqi territory, they reunite in, yeah, 81, um, after being divided for a good amount of time. Um, and the details on that reunification were slim, at least on my end. So anybody who's watching, listening, who finds additional information on that reunification, I'd actually be really interested to read about that. Um, but they reunited essentially, if I'm deducing correctly, to be stronger against the Crusaders, realizing that divided, it was just causing more work for them. Um, and so they reunite, fight the Crusaders, um, and then Saladin, who was a general under the Zengid dynasty, goes on to found the Ayyubid dynasty in Egypt and absorbs those two branches that had since reunited. That's a fascinating step from allyship to being part of this entire new empire. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And what's Pretty super interesting and kind of the way that Al-Fuzek is set up is that you have Ayyubid hyperlinks in your article and the like the first sentence of Ayyubid is the Ayyubids rose to power when Salahuddin took control of Egypt in 1169 serving under the Zengid Sultan literally the first. so there's already this like conversation that continues the Ayyubids is probably one of the most well-known um yeah. empires in our civilizations in review section and to have that directly come from the Zengids um it's a cool little like mystery to that historical puzzle that you have just now solved it's very cool. It's really, it's very interesting how it all starts to roll and morph together. Because even like talking about the Ottoman Empire, the Great Seljuk Empire morphs into becoming the Ottoman Empire, um, and so it's kind of like getting a peek behind the curtain of what these more—I um, don't want to say notable, but more well-known, more like common empires that you would hear about or civilizations—seeing one how interlinked they all are, and two where they started from, and how they remain linked um like even just this mosque being started by one dynasty they didn't start it and then knock it down and make their own thing like they just kept building on it which is a pretty solid metaphor for the whole thing there you go very cool um Coretta, any final questions you want to throw uh dr rogers's way as we talk about this fascinating empire dr rogers <laughs> dr rogers <yes. laughs> Doctor, is that feels fake. <laughs> <laughs> and yet it's not. And this is such an amazing space to have 
you know, every time we're talking about a civilization, a different perspective on it. And so having your research and your perspective on it, coming in with no knowledge of it, I yeah, absolutely feel like I have not only more of a knowledge about the metalworking and um, the cultural aspects, but also this political and geographical understanding, which is really fascinating. So thank you for that. I guess um, my final question for you would be, um, I guess, what are you going to take away, do you think, like down the line? Mm. Like if you look back 10 years from now and you remember researching about this, do you think it will be that piece about the, the metalwork? Will it be the part where this fascinating like allyship and coming back together? It'll honestly, it'll probably be thinking about the great mosque in Aleppo. Um, I feel like now when I'm reading something or seeing something about Syria, war in Syria, um, that's not not going to come up now. Um, but also just, I think a mental framework when it comes to researching and thinking of these uh, these empires or dynasties or rulers that seem that they stand alone. It's kind of like they just came into being like the Ottoman Empire. It just is the Ottoman Empire always was until it wasn't. And you don't really think about what it was before that. It doesn't just become, it doesn't just like one day, it's like, okay, this is the Ottoman Empire now. Um, so realizing that that came from the Seljuk Empire and the Seljuk Empire wasn't just the Seljuk Empire. It had all of these other proxy governments and rulerships, rulerships. I don't know if rulerships is a word, um, but all of these dynasties that were operating under the empire. Um, and I think, I don't, I don't know that I ever would have probed that far beforehand. Even, even if I had gotten to the Seljuk empire, I don't know that I would have probed further and said, okay, well, what made up that empire other than just territory? So, yeah. yeah. That's more or less the guiding philosophy of civilizations one-on-one anyway. So you hit the nail on the head for that. Thank you. The whole, whole point of civilizations one-on-one is to talk about the pieces that are often overlooked and the pieces that aren't, but that make up the, the history of this region. I mean, that's why there are 87, um, maybe and counting, but I know there's many more than 87. I don't know if we'll do more on our website, but 87 different empires that make up this tapestry, you know, from 4,000 years ago till about 100 years ago, and spanning that history, the development of mail systems and coffee and math, et cetera, all come from some of these empires. Um, so it's really fascinating to see the artistic slash military uh, modern influences that the Zangans left behind, as well as kind of both the Ottoman and Ayyubid empires spawning from some decisions that the Zangans made. That's really fascinating. Yeah. And especially coming into the research with not a lot of institutional knowledge on the subject or context. Also, anyone who's watching that does have expertise in this region, one, if I got anything wrong, let me know so that we can, you know, I, I'm sure there's a treasure trove of information out there um, that we've just scratched the surface on. So if anybody finds anything additional, enlightening, correcting, like, please send it, send it on over um, so that we can all keep, I'll keep learning. So. Incredible. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Bex, for sharing your knowledge and wisdom uh, and learning of the Zangids with us. It's a, a really cool piece of this historical puzzle that 
is now forever cemented on the site. So thank you. And Coretta, your insightful questions as always are such a bonus. So thank Thanks. you. Um, and to our listeners, I hope you found this really insightful and, and engaging and a lot of great learning here. Um, we have only about eight empires left to finish our series. So if you want to come join our team, I know it's a crazy sentence. I'm very happy about it. Credit also was our very first empire that was written. So to see it happen, um, that was the Nabataean. So you all should check that one out too. Uh, anyways, thank you for uh, engaging with us tonight. Again, you can see this everywhere on our website alfusaic.net, A-L-F-U-S-A-I-C.net, and navigate to the civilization section to read all about the Zengids. Thank you, Bex. Thank you, Kreta. What a great evening. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, Bex. Thank you.